today we are finishing the dangerous series prayer dangerous prayer series with one of the most difficult prayers that I believe we can pray to pray not my will but yours be done is to have to acknowledge that suffering is part of the deal God is good but we still hurt Jesus asked God do I have to go to the cross and so too we ask God do we have to bear our cross a personal illustration I have said to my husband John do not ever leave me I have said this to him when he does the taxes <laughs> repairs the cars fixes things around the house and then he got cancer and I meant it don't ever leave me John has no control over his life nor his death but I want guarantees I want a long life together we don't know what tomorrow will bring let alone a lifetime we can participate with pay attention to what God is doing in the moment but we can't control that moment the prayer of not my will but yours be done is poignantly real for John and me we have begun to see in these last two years how our lives are such a tiny piece of the bigger picture of what God wants to do through us while cancer is a part of our journey our cross to bear we know we are part of his rescue operation to the world but it doesn't feel very good for example as John was driving to church to listen to Scott preach on healing he had a conversation with God that went something like this Lord, help me to deal with the difference between what I can do and what I want to do. What he heard from God was, John, that request focuses on you. It's not about you, son. It's about what I want to do in you, through you, regardless of what your body can or can't do. Stop trying to control your life have we been changed for the better by cancer yes can one be changed by living without a job or a marriage on the rocks or no marriage or the death of a child I say yes but we don't want to pray not my will but yours because the stakes are high and getting God's will may feel like a death sentence when we heard for the second time in less than a year that John's cancer was back and our doctors could do nothing to re surgically remove the tumors we were devastated we wept uncontrollably in the doctor's office without sense of time or space for the next five days we felt as though our hearts would break inside of us at any moment 
every moment slowed down in time and we could feel our hearts pumping with grief inconsolable. We couldn't pray, not our will, but yours be done. We wanted our will. The thought of letting go of what we wanted was unbearable. We were feeling our way into resignation unto death. In time, we felt that we were being invited to surrender to love, not resign ourselves to death. There is a real difference in prayer between surrender and resignation. Surrender is trust that God loves us. We're not alone. We're in relationship. Resignation is giving in. We're alone. John was able to be treated with radiation, and so far the tumors have not returned. But our journey was to trust without an assured outcome. And it still is the journey we are on. A journey that is surrendering to love while we are ruthlessly honest emotionally. Our risk in being honest is made possible by believing that we are loved, even when we hurt and have no control. God met us in the moment when we turned to him with all our pain. We felt God's presence in our experience when we felt the emotions that were true right as they were happening and heard then over and over again, I won't leave you to face this alone. I'm carrying you. Don't you know that? Jesus' intimacy with God was expressed most honestly in grief. The night of his arrest, he prayed with so much anguish. Luke, in his gospel, describes Jesus praying earnestly with sweat like drops of blood. Honest grief happens when we resist avoiding the moment we've been given in order to feel better about it or make it something that it's not. I chose these two texts to engage us in the nature of hope and how true lament makes way for peace and gives one a hold on promises deferred. Upon reading them, I have to ask, do I trust in a good God when I suffer? When I mourn, what kind of comfort can I expect? When faced with the certainty of loss, can I find meaning in it? How can God ask us to will what will hurt? To mourn in the sense of what the gospel message implies is to know suffering as suffering that is brought on by the seeming slowness of God's justice. So Matthew, in the telling of the Sermon of the Mount, wants to make clear that because Jesus the Savior is here, therefore the reign of God has begun. Suffering and injustice will be comforted by knowing that God's rescue plan is in place and on the move. But it is not yet finished. Though the comfort given by God is gracious and merciful, and not based on anything we deserve, 
there remains a tension. A tension between the suffering, when the suffering occurs and when the comfort is made real. Therefore, we learn to wait for the coming of God's rescue with hope that it will come. Because God has promised to rescue us and give meaning to our grief. That meaning is often revealed in a transformed life. Paul describes a transformed life this way in the book of Romans. We boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Jesus surrenders to God's intent to save the world through his death because he knows he is loved. In Jesus' prayer, we hear the heart of a man and the will of God clashing. But only for that moment. When the extreme personal cost that Jesus must endure is felt in all its trauma, this honest grief then gives a way to surrender to a love that consumes him. This love then allows Jesus to participate in the deeper purpose of the cross, nothing less than the rescue of the world. So, how do you and I pray, not my will, but yours? I think first, we must learn to live in the moment with ruthless honesty before God. The psalmist wrote of despair and anger at God. Now, if you read the 20 lines, any of those laments... I'll guarantee that they weren't written in a day. From lament to despair to surrender to trust takes time. God tells us that the journey towards intimacy with him involves suffering. And that is why Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. To follow Christ is to understand that there's a redemptive possibility in suffering. It is part of the meaning of the cross. And the cross is a place where God's enormous love for us is most profoundly experienced. Although it seldom feels like it, grief is an authentic expression of love. If we did not love, we would not grieve. Staying with the honesty is what creates the authentic person that has the dignity to face unabashed their God whom they cannot fully know but can learn to trust in order to believe that God is who he says he is and will meet us in every moment we are willing to face with all that we are and with all that we don't know. In my own life, I have prayed fervently not to be a widow. Cancer can force one to dismantle any pretensions of dishonesty in the experience. 
It's too cruel. It's too painful. And it's too pervasive to do anything but be honest about how you are experiencing its impact. Living in the moment with what is, not with what I want or what we had, has allowed me to enter a realm of trust as I am met by God in honest prayer. God meets me with what is real, not by me producing some version of the truth that is not associated with my actual suffering. The result is peace and hope, which no matter what happens in the future, I know God holds me. And so openness to love, we do not understand, is another way we pray. Openness to love reserves the right to not know why. Not getting what we wanted or what we think ought to come from the hand of God who loves us causes a grief that can overshadow any trust that we might have had in that love. But we mistake love for having life on our terms. The love of our God has purpose beyond our momentary need of comfort or for avoiding the cost of following God's will rather than our own desire for an easier life. God's love is a love we cannot contain or make in our own image. It is a love we do not understand. I have a close friend whose marriage of almost 30 years is being crushed as they face the power of addiction. Its ability to hold her husband hostage to an emotional and spiritual bondage has caused unimaginable grief. And though they have had great therapeutic counseling, inner healing, pastoral care, their capacity for embracing one another eludes them. But my friend has chosen to take her husband back, whose addiction is healed, but the toll on his life prevents him from making an emotional connection that any one of us would consider to be foundational for a good marriage. Yet without reserve, believing in what she cannot see, or experience. She is proceeding by faith to continue to be faithful to a covenant she made when she didn't understand what would come and faithful still when she knows what is and yet is choosing to obey a love she cannot understand. My friend is choosing to be open to a love that is beyond her understanding and control, a love from God for God in order to glorify God. Her hope is not in a marriage that she wants, but in a God who can do more than she asks, though she waits and believes without knowing. And then finally, in praying, not my will but yours, we can open our eyes and hearts to a God who will surprise us and asks us to wait. God relishes surprise. We want lives of simple, predictable ease, smooth, calm 
waters as far as the eye can see and ones that are easily navigated. But apparently God likes to go surfing. He provokes us with storms and currents. He places us in predicaments that seem to defy our endurance and comprehension. Yet by his love and grace, we persevere. But it takes time. The challenges that make our hearts leap and our stomachs churn invariably strengthen our faith and grant measures of wisdom and joy we would not experience otherwise. But that kind of growth does not happen in a day or a month or sometimes even in years. To follow Christ is to understand that there's a redemptive possibility in the wave less taken and in the time it takes to navigate and learn from it. Getting to the destination is not as important as the willingness to wait and take the time to experience a surprise twist that we didn't bargain for to get there. Like many of you experiencing the trial of the present economy, friends of mine who are highly educated and skilled wait without assurance for jobs that are eluding them. Over a year ago, they were strategically moved by God into taking the risk of following a new career path. It meant leaving a secure job of 25 years for him and going back to school. For both husband and wife, the discernment to take this journey was affirmed over and over again. But now he is in the middle of being retrained without a job on the side, and she scours the landscape for any job befitting her Ph.D. qualifications. They wait, and they pray. And they remember how they've been led in the past so that they don't forget why they are on this path in the present. Their adventure and trust has been exhilarating and traumatic. They continue to wait, watch, and listen, and keep their eyes on God. They feel ready to quit the journey at times, but they take the next turn around a bend that they cannot control on waters less traveled. Hope is the experience of trust in a loving God who is for us and not against us. We don't hope in a personal outcome, but in transformation forged through suffering and waiting. So to pray, not my will but yours, is to trust God when the stakes are high and the storms of life are dangerous. It's not easy. Our experience is not just about us, but about how we follow God in trust so that our lives become a visible witness to his redeeming love. This prayer means believing that God is good, whether we see it or not. We are invited to be content and convinced that we are God's beloved and that God can use our darkest moments for his glory. Not my will, but yours is a prayer of ruthless honesty with our grief, openness to a love we cannot control or fully understand, and a willingness to wait for the outcome while being surprised by seas 
less traveled. It may feel like drowning at first, but with practice and your eyes set on the right mark, intimacy with God, you can get back on the board and ride the wave. Dangerous, terrifying, but exhilarating when you realize you are being held. <laughs>